Would you turn to 1 Corinthians, please, the first chapter? 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Thanks be to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in about verse 18 here. 1 Corinthians 1, 18. He said, the, uh, the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Look at this reading it from the other side. People who find the teaching, preaching of the word and the gospel foolish, they are perishing. That's an indication they're lost. If you have no respect for the gospel and for the word. But to us, which are saved, <laughs> the indication that you're saved is that you love the gospel. And it's, it's to us, it's the power of God. Everybody say power of God. Power of God. It's the power of God. Now, isn't this amazing? One person heard it, and to them it's just foolishness, just nonsense. Another heard it, and it was the power of God. <laughs> the power of God that changed them and made them a new creation in Christ Jesus. So, is the manifestation of God's power affected by whether you believe in it or not. This is a great revelation. I said, is the manifestation of God's power affected? Not just his power, but the manifestation of it. When, where, how his power is manifested, is that affected by if you believe in it or not? Or if you believe it or you don't. Then the manifestation of God's power is not just all up to God. Can you see this? When and how and where his power is manifested. <laughs> that was worth you combing your hair and coming out. Just, just right there, right? Is it true that you and I can change our belief in the power of God and see an increased manifestation in the power of God? It is true. You'll see it in the scripture. You see here, one person heard the word of God, didn't believe it at all, thought it was nonsense and foolishness, and they had zero manifestation of the power of God in their life. None. So it's like God didn't even exist. So that seems to confirm their unbelief. They say there is no God. And so they, they don't experience God. That seems to confirm the lie they believe. But they don't realize that these signs of power don't follow unbelievers. They follow them that believe. So keep reading. To them that perish, it's foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. Verse 22. 
For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. Now here we see two groups, and these two groups are still with us today, not just talking about Jewish or Greek, but they're in the world, depending on what part of the world and what group you're around, those who seek wisdom and those who are looking for power. Sign is a manifestation of power. He went on to say, we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, that's talking about you, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, he's both. He's all. He's the power of God and the wisdom of God. I want you to say it out loud. The power of God. And the wisdom of God. So the Spirit of God here distinguishes between these two. Wisdom and power. Because you got some folks, they're just looking for the wisdom. And you got some folks, they're, they're just looking for the power. <laughs> That's still with us today. But uh, skip on down to the second chapter, 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 1. This wasn't written in chapter and verse, so this is just continuing to flow from what we just saw. The Spirit of God through Paul said, I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. Now see, this lets you know This group, Greek-influenced people, they were emphasizing wisdom. They were used to, you know, at one point, we see in the book of Acts that Paul, in Athens and and among the uh, intellectuals and the orators, and it said they, they spent all their time just to tell or hear some new thing. Sounds like social media. What's the latest post? And what is trending? What's trending? What's what's hot? (laughs) But he said, keep keep reading this. He said, uh, I didn't come to you with excellency of speech and of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. Verse 2, I determined... So this is something he deliberately did, not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Hallelujah. Paul was very educated. He, he was among the elite educated of his time. One of the principal, most respected teachers and professors, you might say, in his area at the time was Gamaliel. And he actually was sent, I guess by his parents or whoever, from Tarsus where he was born and from, was sent to train under Gamaliel and grew up. And the, and the word tells us by the time he was a young man, a Pharisee, the strictest sect of uh, the Jews, that he was 
above all his peers. And we know he spoke multiple languages and he could read and write in multiple languages. This was very rare in those days. Most of the common people couldn't read or write. So, and you see when when Paul was uh, captive in the book of Acts, they went and got this special orator named Tertullus one time to plead the case against him. And if you read the chapters, when Paul took his time to speak, he outdid him. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) Paul was an orator and brilliant and amazing education. But hear what he says here. I determined, let me paraphrase a little bit. I I determined not to try to impress you with what I knew. I determined not to try to wow you with with speeches and talk. Verse 3, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Keep going. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Hallelujah. Not with enticing words of man's wisdom. So you got to, like I said, you still got these same groups today, people who are intellectual. People who are always looking for more knowledge and more wisdom and more understanding. And you've got some groups, and it depends a whole lot on how you grow up and what you grow up around. There are some groups, not as many as there used to be, but their emphasis is on power. And a lot of times, they're around and exposed to uh, evil power. You know, in some parts of undeveloped places, they grew up around witchcraft. They grew up around all kind of stuff, voodoo and whatever. Well, their emphasis is on power. They believe in unseen reality. They believe that because they've seen it, they've experienced it. And so depending on who you're ministering to, they need more of one than the other. And these people, who were some of them educated, Paul said, I I determined, he got this by the Spirit, I'm not coming to you just trying to wow you and woo you with a bunch of things for your head. I was with you in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power. Hallelujah. Look at the next verse. That, or in other words, In order that, so that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Hallelujah. Said out loud that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but your faith should stand in the power of God. Of God. Are we to have faith in the power of God? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Do you have faith in the power of God? In the power of God. 
Now this is, this is something we need to talk about. Because it's not automatic that because you're a Christian, you necessarily have a lot of faith in the power of God. Or because you're religious especially. Or because you go to church. That you necessarily have faith in the power of God. Notice in 2 Timothy 3.5. He talked about individuals that have a form of godliness. But they do what? They deny what? See, not, not the wisdom, not the knowledge. They want to hear more of that. It's when you get to talking about the power that they get uncomfortable. They're like, power? What you mean? What are you talking about? Just something as simple as people falling under the power. Is too much for most churches, isn't it? It's like too much. I mean, just laying hands on somebody and them shaking and talking in tongues. Most church-going people in the country, they're like, ooh, ooh. (laughs) Would you? Why are they shaking? Why are they shaking? And talking in that strange land? Ooh, no, no. No, that's we. We don't do that at my church. <laughs> so, they, they like wisdom, but not the power. Not the power. <laughs> and Paul said, I didn't want your faith to be in the wisdom of men. He didn't want them leaving saying, boy, that Paul is smart. Man, that Paul's got it, doesn't he? Whew, telling you. He, he's brilliant. He understands. Ooh, the revelation he has. It sounds a little too familiar. Doesn't this? And I believe that's one reason why we need to begin to look at this and get stirred up about this is because we live in the development of the information age. And we're also spiritually, God has raised up from especially the the 60s and so until now, the teaching of the Word. Prior to that, most ministers didn't teach. They only preached. Teaching was considered boring. Now you... You may not think so, but it was. It's like, you know, teaching, well, you might see that in Sunday school. Yeah, you'd teach the Sunday school class. But if anybody was anointed, they preached. (laughs) They they waved their hands and and they they moved. They they didn't stop and say, turn to such and such place. They didn't give you time. This is recent. Since, especially since the 70s. This is recent. <laughs> when Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen Sr., who's in heaven now, when he went to, first started in the ministry, the Lord dealt with him to go on the radio and teach, not preach. And it was radical. Wow. 
for him and them. He's like, Lord, will anybody want to listen to it? You know, he said, go on the radio and teach, because everybody else was preaching. But you know, I think we've been flowing this way long enough that now we can begin to see <laughs> that that <laughs> that uh, you got a whole generation that's grown up and, and two now, that that's all they know. And the other seems different to them and odd to them. And don't misunderstand me. We've needed every bit of the anointed teaching we have received. We've needed it. But, and that's not going to stop. Jesus, if you read what he did, he taught and preached. In his ministry, he did that more than anything else, but right along with it were continual manifestations of power, 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 power. Hallelujah. Power that healed, power that delivered, power that worked miracles. Power that drove out evil spirits. Power. Power. And it's easy to look back and say, well, yeah, that was great, you know, that was Jesus. And boy, there was some stuff happening back then, wasn't it? But I remember we started this off with saying, does your faith in the power affect the manifestation of the power? Does it or not? Then would it stand to reason that in places where people only focus on the wisdom, you'll see less manifestation of the power. But how does faith come? And of course, how do you know that? You learn that from teaching. Right? And you, you wouldn't even know, wouldn't even understand what we're talking about if it wasn't for the teaching. But how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the anointed word of God. That actually that in Romans there when it says by hear and hearing by the word of God, it's the word Rhema and the word Christos. By hearing the anointed spoken word. And each area produces faith for that area. If you need faith for healing, then you need to hear the word, the anointed word, on healing. If you need faith for finances and, and provision, you need to hear the word on that, on protection, etc., etc. Well, how do you get faith and more faith in the power? You need to hear the anointed word about the power of God. Oh, somebody say it right out loud. Say, I believe believe in the power power of God. God. I believe in the power of God. I believe in the power of God. I believe in the power of God. I have faith in the power of God. Go with me, if you would, to the book of Acts. Let's remind ourselves a little bit of how... The church got started. 
Book of Acts, chapter 1, first of all. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. The Lord said to them, now this is how the church gets, got kicked off. Jesus said, you shall receive <laughs> what? You'll become amazingly smart. No, that, that could be some results there. But you'll find so-called wisdom in other things in this world, even in the ungodly world. And you can debate points and morality on and on and on. But when power is manifested, there's something real there. This is not something you just dreamed up, something you just imagined, something you just reasoned. <laughs> now, don't misunderstand me. Not all manifestations of power are of God. We've already talked about that, and there's a real danger in only emphasizing power and not the Word. Because you can get to the point where you can have some manifestations. And they're not God. But that doesn't mean that you're just afraid of all of that. And you just only want to go somewhere where you, you can talk about the wisdom of God. And not be scared by any power. Say it again. I believe, I believe in, the power in the power of Almighty God. The very word power in the Greek is from the word dunamis. We get our word dynamite from. And it means literally force. Force. Or like it's translated power. It's also translated mighty. Mighty and mighty power. <laughs> and one definition is Power that makes able. Power that makes possible. Amen. And that agrees with the scripture that says, you know, all things are possible to him that believes. Well, how could that be so? Because God's power makes it possible. I mean, if you got what's considered to be a terminal disease and they're, the wisdom of man has no answer for it and can do nothing but try to keep you comfortable for a few more hours. Well, it's going to take something besides men's smarts to make a change here. Is that right? But is there anything that can make a difference? We've heard testimonies all week. And they just keep coming in and coming in. How can it be? You got a diseased liver, and it's not—it does not even functioning anymore. And the next thing they check, and it looks like a healthy liver. How? 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 That wasn't just because you and I got together and talked it out, right? And we just talked and talked and talked until we talked it out. No, it was. Because somebody believed in the power of God. And the power of God is 
astounding. It is amazing. It is so awesome. Power? One of the greatest revelations of God is in creation. The scripture tells us in Romans, even his eternal power and Godhead are revealed in the things that are made. How much power does it take to create a mountain range? We don't have anything that measures that high. How much power does it take, this is a giant one, to maintain gravity? Gravity is what's keeping the oceans from just washing us away. If they came out of their basins and washed over the land, bye-bye. <laughs> what's keeping the moon from smashing into us? What's keeping the sun burning? Power? <laughs> we, we have hardly any concept of how much power. I tell you, sometimes look, we've got pretty good satellite telescopes and stuff now. Look at a picture of the earth in front of the sun. You'll think, that's how big we are? Looks like a marble in front of the sun. (laughs) And when you are hot in August and you wipe your brow and go, man, it's getting hot out here. It's 94 million miles away. 94, depending on what time of the year. 90 some million, 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 90 million, not 90 miles, 90 million miles away, and it's so hot you think it's too hot. And it's 90 million miles away. What kind, what kind of power? And that's just one of billions and billions of stars. The prophet said, for that his power is so great, not one of them fails. He calls them by name, these stars and these constellations. And you're wondering if he could help you pay your electric bill. (laughs) Or fix your little gland or your organ. (laughs) Do we need to have a boost and an increase in our faith, specifically our faith in the power. Oh, somebody say, I have faith. I have have faith in the power, in the power, in the power of God. I believe he can do it. I believe he can do it. I believe... He can change your body like that. He, he can change your finances like that. He, right? I, he can change your mind, your thinking, his power. You can be all twisted up and messed up and the power of God come on you and you go, whew, I'm okay now. <laughs> you, how was Jesus born? How was Jesus born? Without a human father. There's a lot of people who don't believe that. That's because they don't believe in God. They don't believe in the power of God. If you believe God's the Almighty, He created the heaven and the earth, you got no problem believing that. Like one fellow said, if you have no problem with the first verse in this book, 
you'll be okay with the rest of what it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you're okay with that, you're good to go for the rest of the book. Because <laughs> if he can create all of this, he can certainly raise the dead. Right? He could certainly heal your body. He could certainly protect you, right? If he can do that, did he do it, child of God? Did he? He did it. Nobody, no unbeliever can prove to you he didn't do it. They can group all the unbelieving scientists in the world. Nobody can prove to you that this thing created itself. Nobody can. If they don't believe it, that's their choice, but they can't prove they weren't there. They didn't see it get started. And all the honest ones will go, we just don't know. We just don't yet understand. Yeah, I know you don't. <laughs> and we don't understand it either, but we believe what the Lord said about it. He said, I created it. He said, all the gods of the nations, unbelieving nations, they're idols. But the Lord created the heavens. Did he? Did he? You want to get revelation of God? Look up in the night sky. Look up in the night sky, especially on a clear night. Look at creation. That's God. Not somebody that sat in a a dusty place scribbling theology notes. You You don't just learn about God from reading about theology. Look at the creation. Sense the power of gravity, the power of wind, the power of water, the power of these things. And know that the one who made them has to be far more powerful. When I was a little boy, this is one of my earliest memories as a child. I got to spend some time with my grandparents and it was wonderful, out in the country, and uh, my grandmother's godly woman. She's in heaven now. She loved God. She was filled with the Spirit, even had uh, dreams and visions. And I remember as a little boy, they had a giant pear tree out behind their house, and I don't know how old I was, but she was holding me in her arms, and I didn't have a shirt on. I remember that. And it was season where the pears were there and the tree was loaded with pears and there's nothing you know most of the fruit we get nowadays it was picked green 2,000 miles away and you just don't know what the flavor but when it stays on the tree until it's ready to come off gee it's a different thing and so I was eating these pears and I had pear juice all over me I had pear juice all over me and I remember it being sticky and, but I was, I was having a great time. And, and my grandmother said, these pears are great, aren't they? And I said, mm-hmm, I'm eating one. She said, God is sweeter than these pears. That's a long time ago. I still remember that. God, is God sweeter? He have to be, or he, he had to be sweeter than what he made, or he couldn't have made it that sweet. It came from him. And then my granddad had cattle. And he had Hereford cattle. And he had a, uh, the big bull was named Tom. And, the, you know, those uh, Hereford cattle, they got the white 
head and real curly hair. And I remember that Tom, of course, you know, I'm, I'm, I must be this big. Tom looked like a, a giant, an elephant to me, you know. And, but he was a pet. They had raised him from a, a calf, and you'd come to the, the barn, and he'd come up to you and want something to eat. He'd want you to give him a snack of some kind. And so I, I, I remember putting my little hand on his head because he was right there, and his head looked like this big to me. And my grandmother said, boy, Tom's big, isn't he? I'm thinking, whoo, he's big. And, and she said, God's bigger than Tom. I thought, whoa, God's bigger than Tom? <laughs> God's big. Oh, how could he be bigger than Tom? And of course, sometimes Tom would come up behind you and just push you a little bit, knock me down, just knock me flat down. <laughs> so powerful. Do we need to think about how powerful God is? How big he is. It'll change the way we see things. It'll cause us to quit getting so upset about things as though there's no way to change it. Because it can be changed by the power of God. All things are possible with God and possible to those who believe him. Can you say amen? Amen. The Lord said you'll receive power after the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you'll be witnesses. And down in verse uh, chapter 2 and verse 1, this is how the church got kicked off. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and one place. And uh, suddenly, they got a revelation. <laughs> now, thank God for revelation. But the Lord does things in addition to revelation. He does things you don't understand. He does things you can't understand. Right now at this point in our life and existence, he does things on purpose that make you wonder. That's why it's called a sign and a wonder. Because you look at it and you go, whoa, I wonder how he did that. (laughs) Does the Lord want us to have signs and wonders today? Does he? Things that you just, you can't explain it. I can't explain it. Nobody we know can explain it. Oh, but we like it. We're like, oh God, do it some more. Do it some more. Do it some more. On the day of Pentecost, they were all in that one place. And there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared cloven tongues like as of fire. And it set upon each of them. They were all filled. Spoke. This is not a time of intellectualism. This is not them sitting looking at each other going, hmm, that's interesting. That's an interesting point you make. No, this is power, power, and they felt the wind. They saw the fire. How many know in the Old Testament, the glory of God would come down and manifest on the tabernacle and on the temple, and it would be so bright and so strong, nobody could go through the door to get in, or the people would fall out and they couldn't get up. Has God changed? 
Has God dialed it back a little bit? He didn't change. He's not going to change. What has changed is you've got a whole bunch of folks that don't believe in the power. Never hear about the power. Never talk about the power. Are scared of the power. Don't want the power. Deny the power. But not us. I said not us. Not us. Not faith life folks. We do have faith in the word. We'll always have faith in the word. We wouldn't know about the power if it wasn't for the word. But we're not just focusing on wisdom and certainly not the wisdom of men. We have faith in the power of God. Power to save. Power to heal. Power to deliver. We believe the power of God can do anything. It can do anything. It can do anything. When people say, there's no hope, there's no help, we say, oh yeah, the power of God could do it. The power of God can do it. There's no way you'll never be okay. Yeah, by the power of God you can be okay. You can be better than you ever were. There's no way you can ever come out. Yeah, by the power of God you can. By the power of God you can. There is a way. There is a way. With God, there is a way. It can change so quick, so quickly. It was that way, and now it's not. And you're standing there wondering, going, how did that happen? (laughs) Hallelujah. Somebody say, glory to God. So they had an experience of power. Well, that's going to affect you. And you'll see that effect continues throughout the whole book of Acts. Go to the fourth chapter. Fourth chapter. You'll see they were not strangers to the miraculous in the beginning days of the church. They expected it. They rejoiced in it. They gloried in it. And there were times power of manifestations got so strong that unbelievers around them were afraid of it. And wouldn't dare to join them. (laughs) And that's not because their doctrine was so intriguing. It's because things like Ananias and Sapphira. Things like that, that's not natural. And things like Peter's shadow. Is that amazing or what? Peter's shadow would just come across people and they'd get up and walk away healed and Get up delivered and hallelujah. And there are numerous verses that talk about many signs and wonders were done. So we don't have a record. There's all kind of things that happened. And it'll say mighty things happened. Mighty things. The power that makes possible. The power that makes able. We're talking about the same creative power that made the heavens and the earth. That's why it can do anything. It's the same power. It's coming from the same source. Hallelujah. In the fourth chapter of Acts, notice this. They were, this whole situation here is over. A manifestation of power where that lame man at the gate called beautiful that had never walked his whole life in a moment of time. 
Peter and John looked at them and said, such as we have, give you, we're giving it to you. Rise, walk in the name of Jesus. Peter grabbed his hand. Up he came. His, his bones and whatever was not right was instantly made right. By what? What, what did that? Help me out. By the power of God. Well, that shook the whole city and the whole area. In fact, the, the elders, the chief priests and those guys, it made them mad because they're trying to squash out this Jesus sect, they called it. And uh, it's just going the wrong way. And now, with these miraculous signs, the, um, at one point they said, it can't be denied that this man, everybody knows this man. It's an obvious miracle. Can you see? This was a sign, wasn't it? To that whole area. Because so many people knew him. He sat by the temple and they saw him going and coming. And they knew him. And they thought, how did that happen? How did that happen? And so they preached and they tried to shut him up. And they even beat him. But they had to let him go because they said, we can't deny the miracle. The man's standing right there. Everybody knows. And so they were, they wanted to do more, but they, they said it can't be denied. Power. The power of God is real. The effects are real. And you can try to doubt it if you want to, but it's standing there staring you in the face. Now you can still doubt if you choose to, but you have to really choose to. But notice when they, uh, when they let them go. They came back, verse 23, Acts 4.23, to their own company and they reported what had happened and they all started praying. They lifted up their voice to God with one accord. They said, Lord, verse 24, you are God. You have made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. Now, they didn't start off saying, oh God, what are we going to do? They're beating us. They tell us we can't preach anymore. That's not how they started out. They started out talking about how powerful God is, Hallelujah. how mighty He is. How many think that's a good way to start every prayer? Is that right? Every, no, don't rush into I need, I got to have, because you'll find sometime by the time you get through talking about how big God is and how great He is, you go, oh, He's already got this. You get out of your unbelief and you get out of things. The bigger God gets to you, that's why we magnify the Lord, the bigger He gets to you, the smaller your problem looks. Amen. The bigger your problem looks to you, the smaller God is to you. And it's up to us to magnify Him. You don't actually make Him bigger, but you begin to see how big He is, and He gets bigger to you. And that changes everything. Thank God. So they said, you, Lord, you are God. Said out loud, Lord, you are God. You made the heaven. You made the earth. You made the sea. And all that is in them. Hallelujah. And finally, when they got down to the thing about them being commanded not to teach or preach anymore, in verse 29, they just said, Lord, behold their threatenings. Listen to what they said. And grant us with all boldness we can speak. They're not backing up. They're not saying we can't. They're not telling God, oh, we were not going to be able to do this anymore. They just said, did you hear what they said? They knew he did. 
They said, listen to what they said. And uh, you, you'll find that in the scripture that the enemy always goes too far. He can't help himself. And uh, when anytime you see somebody begin to say, well, even your God can't do that. You go, huh, say it again. <laughs> Brother Jesse Duplantis tells about it when he got into aviation, he wanted to have his own fuel farm that he could buy it direct wholesale. I mean, prices way lower than anything else. And, um, but that's rarely allowed by individuals. And at the field where he was in New Orleans, he said something about it. He made requests that he wanted that. And man, they, they shut him down. They scoffed at him. They said, you'll never have that. And he, he said something about God. And they said, well, your God can't do that. <laughs> Guess what he's had for the last 10 years? His own fuel farm. And not only that, but now he's got his own hangar. He's got, he just keeps getting more and more stuff that they said he'll never have. He'll never have. He'll never have. <laughs> and you see what they said? They said, you know, they commanded us not to teach a priest. They didn't get it out. They said, did you hear what they said, Lord? Did you hear? They're threatening. See, they're not just threatening them. They're threatening him because he's the one that sent them. Lord, did you hear how they're bad-mouthing you? <laughs> Grant us that with all boldness we may speak your word. They're not backing off. And by stretching forth your hand to heal is this power. This is power. And that signs is that power and wonders. Somebody say power. Power. Healing is power. Signs of power. Wonders of power may be done by the name of your holy child Jesus. And the Lord must have liked this prayer. Is that right? He must have enjoyed this prayer because the very next phrase says, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. The what? No, not a few people shook. Not somebody in the front shook and fell under the power. I mean the whole building shook. Without any damage. You know, the prophet Elijah at one point, you know, was running for his life basically, and he went out in the wilderness, and the scripture said there was a fire, but God wasn't in the fire. There was a strong, mighty wind, but God wasn't in the wind. And then eventually it said there was a still, small voice, and, and that was God. You can tell when God's in something because it blesses, doesn't destroy. There was a strong, mighty wind blew into the upper room and did no damage to the building and didn't hurt anybody. That's a wind God is in. When tornadoes tear through places and kill people, God is not in that. I said he's not in that. And when you see in that same passage I read, there was an earthquake. He said there was a mighty earthquake, but he said God wasn't in that. How many would agree with the scripture, God is not in every earthquake. God is not in every wind. God is not. 
But here, this place is being shaken, and God's in it. And later we see when Paul and Silas are in jail, you remember that? And the Bible said there was suddenly, there was earthquake. But this is a very peculiar earthquake, isn't it? The building didn't collapse, nobody was killed. What happened is it was a very, it's a precision earthquake. It's a very precise earthquake because the vibration hit the locks on the doors. Is that right? And they go, whing. And the earthquake vibrations hit the shackles and the handcuffs and they fell off. And that's the only thing it affected. God was in that earthquake. He was in this wind. Can you see that? He was in this shaking. Has he changed? Is he tired of all that power stuff? And he's just not into that anymore. He never changes. He never needs to. He was perfect then. He's perfect now. That was perfect then. It's still perfect now. And you'll find more of it, much more of it, where people believe in the power instead of discounting and denying and skepticism and all, all, all they have is intellectualism. I have faith. Oh, somebody said, I have faith. I believe in the real power of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would this affect the church here? How they got started off? Yeah. Winds blowing and hitting them. Fire manifesting. You don't forget that. I said you don't forget that. And it says here just that was chapter 2. This is only chapter 4. And it says that the place was shaken. It was shaken where they were assembled together. And what happened? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And their prayer is instantly answered. There's a bigger dose of boldness comes on them. They speak the word of God with boldness. These are the same people that got filled in Acts 2 with some additions. So why would they say they got filled? They got filled again. There's one Holy Spirit. There's one initial reception of the Holy Spirit. But there are to be many refillings. Can you see that? Many refillings. In Ephesians it says, be being filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart. We've watered down some things in our generation. The term spirit filled is used too loosely. Somebody says, so and so, spirit filled, spirit filled people, spirit filled church, spirit filled this, spirit filled business, spirit filled, really? Really? And then you hear odd things. Like, you know, the pastor, you know, man, he ran off with the piano player and the building fund, and he's spirit filled. Not that day he wasn't. I said, not, not that day he won. 
You, you don't do that full of the Spirit. Not the Holy Spirit. And just because you spoke in tongues for a little while 20 years ago does not mean you are full of the Spirit today. That doesn't mean he left you, but there are different levels of being filled. And if we saw our Spirit-filled gauge, a lot of folks would not be happy with it because it's, (laughs) it's over there near touching the red zone. But we shouldn't despair about it. You look, look how quick they got filled and how quick they got filled again. Come on, can you see that? They got filled again to overflowing. And I mean, not only are they full and full of power and full of boldness. I mean, the power is so prevalent and so on them, the whole house is shaking. Oh, somebody say glory to God. How many believe this is not a fairy tale? This is not fiction. Did this happen? If you believe part of the Bible, you need to believe the rest of the Bible. Did this happen? The whole place shook. I mean it shook. And they knew what was shaking it. And they weren't scared. And it didn't damage anything. And it didn't hurt anybody. This is the power of God. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.